Summer's End. A Good Omens Podfic, written by Feral Tuxedo and read by Literarian. Chapter 12 Celebration The next morning, Aziraphale woke up without a shred of regret in his heart. Instead, he was filled to the brim with warmth and a restless kind of energy that spread all the way down to his toes. He turned over in bed to find Crowley already awake, laying on his side and looking at him with a frown. Good morning, my dear, Azir Raphael said, smiling brightly. Yeah, hi, uh, how are you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about us? was the unasked conclusion to the question. Crowley even shrank back a little. It made Aziraphale's stomach drop, knowing that he was the cause of this anxiety. He leaned in until he could see every golden fleck in Crowley's irises. Splendid he whispered and kissed him. Crowley's mouth was hard and unmoving at first, as if he'd been caught out in an O. But then he returned the kiss with a fire quite unbefitting the early hour of the morning, rolling half on top of Aziraphale, wrapping him up in a tangle of limbs and tousled hair. When he felt the brush of fingertips creep up along the inside of his thigh, Aziraphale pulled away. Oh no, I don't think so. What? I only meant... He put a hand over Crowley's where it had frozen a few inches above his knee. I've got to work today. I can't have you distracting me draining me before the first client shows up. The hurt and confusion on Crowley's face was immediately replaced with an incredulous grin, a playful exasperation. Unbelievable. So morning sex is off the table, like forever? I'm afraid so. But I'll tell you what. I'll take the afternoon off, and then we can celebrate. Crowley's breath caught and escaped in a small laugh. And what does that entail? Well... Aziraphale sat up and stretched, yawning. <sighs> if you could pop over to the shop and invite Anathema and Newt over for the afternoon... And get a bottle of wine and some of that nice goat's cheese while you're there. Then I want you to cycle to the hotel and ask Tracy and Chatwell to come too. We're going to have a party. Right. Crowley sat up too, knees drawn to his chest. What? Aziraphale asked sweetly. You don't like parties? 
It's not what I thought you meant when you said celebrate. After the guests leave, you can fuck me in the hammock. Crowley snorted, but relaxed a little, and wrapped both arms around Aziraphale, crossing them over his chest. God, you're a real bastard. I'm afraid so. You actually want me to cycle all over Tatfield to invite your friends over for a party? I don't even like people. Oh, fine. But don't go around thinking I'll always do your bidding just cause you let me suck your dick. I'm not your... your postman. Crowley tilted Aziraphale's head back just enough for him to catch sight of a rather unconvincing sneer. Of course not, my dear. Only I thought a celebration was in order. And why's that? Aziraphale pressed his hands into the mattress. All right. He'd been hoping to have this discussion after at least some of Anathema's wine. But alas, he'd have to do it without even a mug of tea in his system. The problem was, he'd never been particularly good at talking. Not from the heart. He could whisper sweet nothings into a client's ear, make dirty fantasies come to life. He could find just the right words to drive them wild. But this was different. I want you to stay, he said, still with his head bent back resting on Crowley's shoulder. After the summer, I want you to stay here with me. Crowley said nothing, possibly even held his breath. He went unnaturally still. Well, what do you think? Aziraphale probed, anxiety rising in his stomach. Crowley's fingers brushed across his chest, up towards his shoulders. First time I saw you, you showed me your Bible. Remember that? Aziraphale smiled at the memory. So I did. How silly. He used to do that. Show his collection of books to his favorite clients those he felt a connection with, those he wanted to stick around for just another minute or two. He hadn't done that since Crowley's move into the van. Not even once. Hadn't felt the need. That's when I knew I wanted to stay, Crowley whispered. So that's a yes. Of course it's a yes. Fuck, do you really think I want to leave, move to a godforsaken farmhouse or go all the way up to Scotland when I've got the best person I've ever met right here in my arms? Aziraphale didn't know what to say to that. His response consisted of half-strangled throat noises. It would have to be enough. One day he would find the right words. 
Crowley held him for another moment before he swung his long legs off the side of the bed and got up. Right, better go get water then, he said, making his way over to the caravan door, stark naked. What, looking like that? Why not? No one's about this early. And if there are clients waiting outside, might as well show them what they're up against. Aziraphale nearly fell out of the bed as he flung out an arm, just about managing to grab Crowley's wrist before he got out of rage. They're not up against anything, Crowley. I need you to understand that. They're clients and you are you. What I have with you is different. I've never done this before. I know, Crowley said, lifting Aziraphale's hand up to press a kiss to the centre of his palm. I was just pissing about. But he looked visibly relieved when he picked up the empty aluminium bucket and carried it outside to fetch water from the stream. It had begun to get hot again. The unexpected drop in temperature had brought a whole wave of clients to Aziraphale's door, but the summer was far from over. And now, with the heat rising again and the sun burning down on Oxfordshire, the effects were already felt. Only a single client came by that morning. After he left, Aziraphale dropped his earnings into the money jar, which was much more empty than it had been just hours before. He'd scooped out a rather substantial handful of gold for Crowley to buy a whole bottle of wine for them to share. Red, if Anathema had it. The occasion really did call for a celebration. Crowley wanted to stay. He wanted to stay in Aziraphale's life. Everything else, the money issues, Aziraphale's lingering insecurities, and the practical question of how both of them could live long-term in a small caravan, were problems to be solved later. Crowley found him down by the stream, having his post-work wash just a little earlier than usual. It wasn't even lunchtime yet. Don't you dare look away, Aziraphale thought, as he stepped out of the water and waded over to where his towel lay on the grass. And Crowley looked. He stopped in his tracks, a gasp visible but not audible over the noise of the rushing water. His gaze dragged all the way down Aziraphale's body, just how he'd been craving for weeks. You saw the sign then? Aziraphale asked, casual as anything. I did. Both of them. You're ridiculous. 
Aziraphale had scribbled notes on two sheets of paper after his client had left. The first one was taped to the bell and read, This establishment is closed for the remainder of the day due to a private event. We apologize for any inconvenience. The second, which he'd stuck to the door of the caravan itself, said, I'm afraid we are most definitely closed. Crowley made his way over to the stream now, cheeks burning crimson. He bent down to pick up the towel and held it out to Aziraphale, who ignored it and walked right past his outstretched arm, pressed his chest to Crowley's and slipped a hand under the hem of his t-shirt. <laughs> You're dripping all over me, Crowley said with a shaky laugh. Whoops, Aziraphale breathed into the crook of his neck, dizzy from the scent of sweat and earth that always clung to Crowley. Better get you out of those wet clothes then. The towel dropped to the ground and, rather clumsily, so did the two men, after Crowley's clothes had been discarded. It wasn't particularly comfortable, with the dry blades of grass poking through the threadbare cotton of the towel, but it would have to do. Next time, they might try out the hammock. They were pulled out of the moment somewhat when Crowley found the conveniently placed jar of Vaseline next to the towel and began to cackle, but in the end, he did put it to good use after only a little performative pouting on Aziraphale's part. There was something magical about fucking in the garden. It nearly made up for the discomfort of doing it on a hard, scratchy surface, surrounded by earthworms and ants. And still, Aziraphale savoured every moment of it. It was a recalibration of sex. Familiar motions, but twisted beyond recognition by the newness of feeling that lay behind. He lay back as Crowley pushed inside him, gasps and moans swallowed by the rushing of the stream beside them. And Aziraphale clung on, his legs tight around Crowley, knees hooked over his elbows as he thrust into him. Deep, slow strokes that set Aziraphale's nerves on fire. Skin burning from the midday sun and bones aching with desire. They were entwined like the roots of a tree, so focused on one another they wouldn't have noticed a demon approaching. Fingers dug into flesh, mouths reached for each other in messy kisses, leaving wet traces on searing skin. And finally, after a few more sweat-soaked minutes, they let go of each other both panting and sticky with cum and Vaseline and dusty soil. Need to wash again now, Aziraphale mumbled into Crowley's hair, picking out a stray leaf that had somehow gotten caught in it. 
and ideally before our guests start showing up. His gaze drifted over to the empty hammock. Bit of a shame, really, that they hadn't made it all the way over there. But there would be other opportunities on other summer days. By the time Tracy and Chatwell arrived on their old black tandem bike, Crowley and Aziraphale were dressed and respectable again, if a little giddy. Client got a bit clingy, did they? Tracy said for a greeting when Aziraphale released her from a hug. I beg your pardon? She pulled him over and pushed him into a crouch next to the bike's round wing mirror, pointing to the bruise on the side of his neck just above his shirt collar. Aziraphale studied it with interest. It was a rather pleasant shade of berry pink, not yet turned purple and a little sensitive to the touch. Oh, I'm afraid that was Crowley, he said, standing up. I must tell him to be careful, wouldn't want to put any clients off. He turned and wandered over towards the thicket. Come on, the party's down in the garden he shouted over the noise of Tracy's squealing and Shadwell's roaring laughter. The garden looked much the same as it had done since Crowley had begun to take care of it, except for the table right in the centre, between the vegetable beds and the fruit trays. Crowley and Aziraphale had carried it down from the van earlier and put their only two chairs on either side of it. The rest of the seating consisted of a knit blanket spread out next to the table and a bit of a tree trunk Crowley had scavenged from the woods beyond the garden fence. Aziraphale led Tracy to one of the chairs, while Shadwell stalked around the garden, commenting on the condition of the tomatoes and the layout of the herb bed. Crowley followed him around with an amused half-grin, which he quickly hid when Shadwell turned around to bark suggestions at him. I heard you were a right guardian angel last night. Tracy said, and Aziraphale tore his gaze away from Crowley to look at her. Was I? I only really laid there, heeded all the... I meant the demon, you sausage. Oh, that. Kicked it right in the shin from what he said earlier. Quite the dashing rescue. I suppose I did. Aziraphale couldn't help a pleased little wiggle. And that's what he told you about? In minute detail. Anathema and Newt arrived a short while later. Anathema grumbled about having to close the shop early, but pulled a bottle of wine out of her backpack as she did so. This one's on the house. Can't have a good time on one bottle between the six of us, can we? Crowley uncorked both bottles with his penknife, which took a few attempts, 
but in the end he managed. Anathema had had enough foresight to bring extra marks too, and for a while they all sat there and simply savoured the luxurious treat of the alcohol and the generous spread of food. Shadwell and Tracy sat at the table. Newt and Anathema shared the tree stump, and Crowley and Aziraphale tried to keep their hands off each other on the picnic blanket. What's the plan now? Newt asked between sips of wine and bites of fruit salad. For the two of you? Oh, we... we hadn't really discussed that, Aziraphale replied, casting his eye over to Crowley, who lay on his back with Aziraphale's straw hat shielding his face from the sun. Staying here, aren't I? he mumbled, slightly slurring his words. The single cup of wine had evidently been a little much for him. Won't it be tight in the van? Tracy said, frowning. And when the winter comes, you won't want to spend all day outside when Aziraphale is working. That is, if you're gonna continue working. Anathema added, looking quickly between them. Crowley huffed. Course he is. Why wouldn't he? It's what he does for a living. Aziraphale gifted him a grateful smile. We'll manage, won't we? The van is rather small, yes, but... Well, I suppose if you wanted to, you could still build yourself a house. Close by. Crowley sat up, pushing the hat back onto his head. Yeah, I reckon I could. With enough time to get materials. And there's fields on the other side of the wood. Plenty of space. Why not build it right here in the garden? Anathema pointed to the patch of grass between the stream and the vegetable bed. Plenty of space here too, for a small cottage. Crowley jumped to his feet and wandered over, crouching down every few steps to stick his finger into the ground. Yeah, this could work. Wouldn't be a huge house, mind. But two, three rooms, easy. Has to be far enough from the stream, but worst case I could shift the vegetable bed over there. Aziraphale watched with ever-growing affection as he stalked around the space, prodding and kicking at the soil, doing calculations for the lengths of wood and the number of bricks he might need. Suddenly he froze and bent over to pick something off the ground. Ha! he exclaimed as he made to return to the table where the others were awaiting him with curious smiles. What is it? Newt asked, squinting at the object. It was about the size of Crowley's hand and covered all over in dirt and grass. Crowley wiped it on the legs of his trousers until a pair of black and silver sunglasses emerged. They looked ancient. He slid them on his face and grinned into the round. 
There was no way he could see through the lenses, all smeared with dirt. But he didn't seem to mind. He tore the straw hat off his head and threw it at Haziraphale. You can have that back. You're welcome. Aziraphale put the hat on his own head, inhaling the earthy smell of Crowley's hair. The sunglasses certainly suited him much better, sharpening his long nose and high cheekbones in a rather fetching way. Crowley, it's a psalm! Anathema exclaimed, jumping up from the tree stump. It's a sign from the fates that this is where you should build your house. I know it. Whether it was or not, they all agreed. Even Shadwell got on his feet to inspect the bit of land where the sunglasses had been found. Raphael couldn't quite understand his ramblings, but they sounded encouraging. While the party guests walked up and down the patch of land that was soon to become a house, Crowley made his way over to Aziraphale. You don't mind, do you? He said quietly, taking the muddy shades off and twirling them between his fingers. Me building here, living here. Of course I don't mind. In fact, I couldn't have thought of a better place. Raphael wrapped his arms around Crowley's waist, leaning his chin onto a pointy shoulder. He was surrounded by Crowley, not just his arms and his hair and the heat of his body, but by the tomatoes and the grapes, the rosemary and the peppermint, the fruit on the trees and the roots in the ground that he had planted and tended and grown. Look at this place, Aziraphale whispered. This isn't my garden, not anymore. Maybe it never was. But you, you belong here. The guests left long before the sunset, after the cheese and wine and fruit and bread had been consumed. Raphael stayed behind on the picnic blanket, while Crowley sauntered over to the stream to rinse off his new sunglasses. Do you think they're real antiques? he asked. They look like it, got to be at least a hundred years old. Crowley returned and dropped onto the blanket, laying the sunglasses on the ground to dry. And for a while, they simply lay there, on their backs, pleasantly exhausted and still slightly buzzing, even though the rush of the wine had long worn off. Sweet this, isn't it? Crowley said, voice barely audible over the rush of water and the chirping of birds in the woods. What is? Just this. If you told me a year ago that I'd be moving into a tiny caravan with a, a, a you know, a hole. Crowley gulped, 
and Aziraphale suppressed a giggle. <laughs> anyway, never in my life would I have thought that I'd be happy in a place like this. How about you? Aziraphale pondered the question. I was happy here before you showed up, but my happiness now is different, richer. It's not just happy, you see. It's also painful and scary sometimes. It was so difficult to put into words the strange mixture of emotions that all appeared to belong together. Like when I thought I'd lost you to the demons last night. Second time you've saved my life. And hopefully the last. Crowley huffed, but didn't respond to that. Presumably because there was nothing else to be said. Aziraphale had saved his life twice. But only the second time had he realized, for one terrifying moment, what he'd come close to losing. They lay there a little longer, and Aziraphale was beginning to worry that Crowley had fallen asleep again when he spoke, even more quietly than before. Aziraphale, have you ever been in love? There was a word, a concept, Aziraphale had not thought about for a very long time. It tasted strange, like wistfulness and long-forgotten agony. Once, he replied, a long time ago, before everything, we were at university together. It had begun like a fairy tale and ended like a horror movie. How about you? No. Not me. Wasn't the done thing in London with Lucifer's lot. No, I imagine not. Do you think this is it then? Love? Yeah, I reckon it might be. Aziraphale took a moment to track down the warmth that had engulfed him ever since he'd woken up next to Crowley in the morning. If this was love, it felt nothing like how it was described in the novels he kept under the kitchen bench. It wasn't a fire, or a storm, or a lightning bolt to the heart. And yet, what else could it be? This utter conviction that being with Crowley was what he was meant for that together they were greater than the sum of their parts. The happiness that was streaked through with fear. Yes, you might just be right about that, he concluded. He could ask Tracy about it. Or they could figure it out together, him and Crowley. The summer would be coming to an end sooner or later, but they had all the time in the world. Mm -hmm.